Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why will why not? And today's what is a delightful forum. As you've come to expect nothing but delight in the form of forums from me, I will continue to produce. And this week I'll be reading from the pages of opiophile.org. Now opiophile.org, as you might imagine, is a forum dedicated to love and discussion of opiates. So we're talking about, of course, your heroin, your methadone, your oxycontin, your roxymorphone, your hydrocodone, your vicodins, your codeine. Some of those things may be the same. You know, your kratom. They also discuss other drugs, but mainly. With a name like opiophile, you're looking at people talking about opiates, opiate lifestyle, and so on. So that's what it is. And as you might imagine, there's, there's a lot of uh, self-incrimination going on here, but unlike other forums, they don't, for the most part, resort to the SWIM acronym, someone who isn't me. A couple of people dance around the topic, but for the most part, people are being very candid on opiophile.org. Now, I don't have a membership here. This is a site that has a very closed membership. There are some private areas I could not uh, join because I don't feel like paying to become a paying member, and they don't have open uh, registration unless you pay. So I did not join. Oh, it's loud in the hallway today, isn't it? Isn't it delightful? I so quiet for a while, now it's totally loud again. Anyway, Opiophile is a very busy forum, so there's lots of posting going on, lots of discussion. Ugh. What the fuck is going on here? It's like, it's so loud here. That was a man's footsteps. Kind of a man wears shoes, it makes sounds like that. Anyway, alright, so where was I? And so the first thing we'll read from opiophile.org is in the Opiated Life subform, subform Experiences and Observations slash Alternative Interpretation subform in a thread started by People Stew entitled, How Does ODing Feel? And it goes like this. This thread got lost in the site upgrade, so I'm reposting it because the responses were great. Two years ago, a good friend of mine OD'd and never woke up. Since then, I've had this question in the back of my mind, wondering how it feels when one gets that close to the edge but manages to evade death. Is it a comfortable warm sensation? Is it a comfortable warm sensation of going to sleep wrapped up in warm blankets? Is there fear and panic as your body reacts and freaks out? Or is the effect of the opiate so strong that you just don't notice? Or do you simply black out and feel nothing until you're hit with Narcan or a friend slapping the shit out of you? Given that a decent number of people here have probably come close, I think this is the one time I'll ever be able to get this question addressed by folks with actual experience. And Chipper adds, Sure, I'll tell you again. You usually get some warning, but it's fleeting quickly and usually a plea for help. It comes on too strong, too fast, and then you go straight to blackout and then, if you're lucky and not a vegetable, recovery. But you feel sick, heavy, and thankful to be alive. And Fat Pie adds, I got no warning. I just woke up on the floor and was lucky to wake up at all, IMO. And Opie Expo writes, like Fat Pie, except I woke up on the keyboard with a face covered in blood. And Jody Clark adds, I was sitting in a car with a friend. He made me a shot and asked if I got a rush. I said no. So he made me a bigger shot and gave me it and asked again. I remember saying, oh yes. Luckily we were actually shooting in a parking lot across from a hospital. Next thing I knew I was being strolled down hallway like a movie. Then I came to, got a catheter and all that. I went in at like midnight, left at 5 a.m. Same friend picked me up 20 minutes after leaving the Haas. Asked if I was feeling sick. I said yes. He asked if I wanted a shot and I said yes. I didn't learn shit, I guess. But I never did big shots again after that, I tell you. Anyway, got on clinic soon after. Happy now. And candy ads. That is exactly how it happened for me a few times. 
rush, sudden onset of panic, very quick, and then nothing until I woke up feeling like extreme hell. Hate that feeling of being in sudden withdrawal, but very glad to have had someone close by that checked in on me. And when my surgeon decided to help me check out during an outpatient procedure with way too much fentanyl while on 90 mg's of methadone a day, waking up from that had to be the worst withdrawal I have felt, even for the short time I experienced it. Fucking doctors. I would rather make the decision on my own to go out of my own way than be drugged to death by some idiot who wants me to go home for the day. Being I was the last procedure, I told him I was on methadone. This was a real good example of why it is important to let your doc know what kind of meds or drugs you take. You just never know. And even though I told this doctor, he obviously didn't have a great understanding of how opiates work. Especially methadone. And Chris of Death writes, I gotta agree with that. ODing for me was kind of like, quote unquote, oh god yes. Out, awake, and sick. Sucks. And Count Zero adds, I got two. They both felt like heavy nods. First one after benzos and booze and dope. Beth Israel on 16th. The other one, just straight four bags, snorted dope in Penn Station bathroom, fell out on the 7, ended up at Misericordia in BK. When I left, I found two bundles in my jacket pocket as I was walking to the subway at 5 a.m. Both times, tube slash twilight slash out of it slash back. Damn. I was an idiot and a fool. Please be smarter than I was, people. And Junkette writes, Only time I overdosed, I remember lying down, last thought, quote-unquote, this is the best I've ever felt in my life. Oh, fuck, I'm going to die. Oh, well, and just kind of went with it. Woke up choking on my puke, unable to stand, sort of paralyzed. Luckily, fell onto the floor on my side. Woke up 17 hours later, covered in puke and piss. I was either lucky or really unlucky, depending on how you look at it. I would like to add that I've never been that high again. I mean, no high I've had since was even close to that one. I was definitely several OC-80s and a Xanax over the line. And that one guy adds... I've had what I consider an OD twice. First time I was with a friend in a public bathroom. I remember doing the shot and getting the craziest pins and needles. It was actually painful, but anyways, I smashed my head on the sink when I collapsed and that pain kind of brought me too. My friend was throwing water and shaking me pretty violently too. LOL. The other time, I did a fat shot. Came to three hours later, still sitting on the shitter with a needle hanging out of my arm. That one was the scariest, because I was alone and the amount of time I spent out of it. And all over ads... I OD'd once. I did the shot and realized I left my smokes downstairs. I got high as fuck immediately, then walked down the stairs to grab my smokes. Remember my vision getting all fuzzy like with a head rush. Started walking down the stairs like it was a mission. Came to waking up in the shower with my friend telling me I'd OD'd. Came to with a black eye from falling into something. I belligerently denied for a minute until realizing what happened. My ears were ringing for 20 minutes after. And rain adds... I'm not even sure it was an actual OD that I had, but I did a shot and the next thing I know, I'm on the floor, face down. I don't know how much time had passed, slash how long I was out. My face hurt, especially my nose, and my whole body was so heavy. I had to crawl to my cell phone to call for a ride to the hospital. I felt like I had swallowed water the wrong way. You know when it goes down your lung instead of your throat? And you keep coughing until it comes up? Well, when I got to the ER, the doctor told me I had swallowed some vomit. Ew. I was honest about my situation and he gave me some comfort meds to take me home. B slash C, I needed to detox. Nice understanding doctor. What a surprise. I was alone, so I'm lucky. I fell forward and not on my back. That's what the DR said anyway. That I could have easily aspirated on my own yak. TLDR, I didn't feel anything until I regained consciousness. And the saint adds, I remember saying, quote unquote, Great dope. Love the flash. Then all the lights went off and there was nothing. I regained consciousness with some guy shaking my head, talking to me, 
brackets he'd given me Narcan and was escorted down the stairs with lots of tubes sticking out of me and rushed to the ER in an ambulance. So the sequence is a hit, sheer bliss, world fades to black, wake up if you're lucky. And Duckfeet writes, neither real OD do I remember anything other than afterwards. Both times somebody did CPR because I wasn't breathing and I ended up in the hospital with cops and doctors, etc. All first one taught me was to quickly hide stash after fixing spoon and rig. Gone quick. Other than that, didn't learn shit. And Bartholomew adds, Yeah, the only IDs I've had to go to the hospital for was kind of just like a push the plunger and wake up with EMTs slapping the piss out of me kind of thing. I've had some near ODs that were really painful and kind of in and out type things, but I'd say that if you really do enough to kill yourself, you're just going to sleep whether you want to or not. And Beetle adds, I've had three overdose experiences. I won't go into the details, suffice to say that each time I felt an overwhelming rush followed by blackout. There's hardly time to pull the pin from one's arm or utter a word, like then if I had my choice to how to die, a heroin slash diazepam combo would be it. No pain, nothing. And Dan K adds, I just woke up fully intubated in a hospital, tied up, apparently I get rowdy when I'd stir, and was told it was six days later. I then spent 15 days in ICU and another 45 learning to walk and read again and battling double walking pneumonia. Nothing fun about that. Don't mix benzos and methadone. And Josh667 adds, exactly what happened to me, except it was spent fent patches. Underestimated them and my tolly was down. Fent is fentanyl and tolly is tolerance. And it was only five days later. And the fucking walking pneumonia, like you say, from vomit aspiration, I believe, fucking sucks. Does anyone else think that being intubated has to be one of the most uncomfortable sensations ever? I have one flash of those five days, and it was that burning horribleness of that tube. Won't forget it as long as I live. And Price of Pills adds, I've seen a couple of people post something similar. Right before I blacked out, I felt a really bad tingling sensation in my face. A painful flush sensation of that quote-unquote oh fuck feeling in your stomach. Woke up a few hours later. My head had smashed down on the table I was sitting at. The foil stuck to my cheek and a lighter imprint on my forehead. <laughs> Jesus. All right. And Tony adds, A couple of times I did not remember the time between the plunger going in and waking up hours later. Sometimes missing my stash, sometimes my wallet, many times the woman. Three times in my life I'd have what the literature describes as an NDE, near-death experience. Once when I talked my girlfriend into having an abortion, I will talk about that one first. I was a non-believer at the time. I did have terrible feelings of guilt as it was my idea to abort the child. I remember that I was home alone and the house I was renting had these beautiful hardwood floors. I was on my knees in the middle of the floor and I was hitting the floor with my hands, yelling at the God I did not believe in, telling him that if he was real to take me, that I was the worst piece of shit possible. I had killed not a stranger but my own child. Over and over again I cried out for God to take me. I remember that a feeling came over me like I was spread out on top of an invisible balloon. I could not see <laughs> I could not see it. It was as real as the wood floor and I was slowly rising. Wait a minute. What? This story is bullshit. Fuck that shit. Alright. And metric ads. I barely even remember that whole day, but I had scored some fire gunpowder in Santa Cruz and came home, loaded up my normal dose, started to push the plunger down, and woke up a couple hours later in the shower with my roommate slapping me. Supposedly, he found me with a syringe still in my arm. After a couple of hours, I had finally got my head completely clear, and we went and looked where the syringe was about one-third full. First thing I did, bang that one-third of my first shot. Sometimes we never learn. And finally, Nagelfar ads. 
Mostly, like many people here say, a rush, a nod, wake up later with friends telling you that your lips were purple and also saying some acquaintances were telling them to dump you on the side of the road or such. Though one time it was quite different. I did the hit and came out of the bathroom with everything seeming brighter somehow and in slow motion. Not a time distortion slow, mind you, but more like everything happening around me was more deliberate. It's hard to explain exactly. I said quote-unquote, did someone put acid in this shot or something? As I walked to the couch, laid back, and that's all I had time to do. My next memory was a brief moment of consciousness coming into focus with red and blue fuzzy spots in my field of vision, like an old TV heavily out of adjustment, somewhat as if all the blood was rushing back into my head. Out of that effect, I saw this girl getting off from on top of me. Apparently, I was told later she was giving me CPR. Later, I wake up, come to... I don't know how much longer from then, but it probably wasn't too long after, with everyone around me telling me I had died. And this local girl from next door saved my life, having got me started breathing again. Some people there even took cell phone and camera pictures of me, out cold on the couch having turned blue. These weren't younger hooligans either, but old-timey, gray-haired, insensitive types who had seen their share of this. It was odd because at the moment when I saw her getting off me, it looked like her face morphed into three different people and I saw her lips move, but I couldn't hear any sound. As I was getting this intense head rush, like I was standing up too fast after being in a sitting position for two days straight. Only more exaggerated. From black nothingness to full vision spectrum spots and stars to a strange contorting image of a girl's face shape-shifting from one instant to the next three times. After that, I didn't feel good or bad. I wasn't sick, but my strength was compromised. I didn't feel weakened, but I could tell I was. Groggy, but not sleepy groggy. I was fortunate I sped out of the bathroom in the beginning when I immediately started to feel strange. And we'll move from that thread to the Opiate Life Subforum Experiences and Observations Subforum to a new thread entitled, What Do You Tell People When You're Dope Sick? by Disconnect. And the thread has a poll, and the poll results are, I'm sick, 47%, haven't been sleeping well lately, 11%. Nothing and try to hide how shitty you're feeling, 15%. Nothing and it's another damn business, 5%. And others post details, 20%. And so the original post goes like this. What do you tell people when you're dope sick? I usually say, quote unquote, I had that crap that's going around. Unless I've been kicking on and off so much that saying I'm under the weather would be ridiculous. Then I just try to hide how shitty I'm feeling. But what do you do when you have to be around other people and you're down and out? And Baroness adds, Chronic irritable bowel syndrome has served me well. It explains having the trots and tender tummy and provides a good excuse to lay up in bed when needed. Works pretty well for the on and off kicking bit too, because there's no rhyme nor reason for when that nasty IBS is going to act up and when it's not. And Shelly adds, I say nothing. And fake it. And Paradigm adds, Get the fuck away. And Los Angeles Lifer says, Chalk it up to my heart failure. No more questions asked. Also, the quote-unquote none of their business selections was good, too. Fucking horse trots going outside. And Candyman20 adds, Haven't been sick in a while, but I usually just straight up say I'm dope sick. I don't care what people... I don't care what people think. Acute withdrawal is not so hard to excuse. It's the pause that created trouble, in my opinion. And pause stands for post-acute withdrawal syndrome. And to continue... How do you explain not having any quote-unquote zest, feeling downtrodden and exhausted for no reason, depressed and obsessed? There's no easy explanation for such abstract symptoms. It's like when you were a kid and you went to go see the school nurse. If you had a fever or you vomited, you could usually go home. Otherwise, you stuck it out. And Mainline adds, In my younger years, I spent many a dope-sick morning at Walmart. An employee eventually act. WTF is wrong with me. 
so I barked at her and went to a different Walmart. I tell people I'm dying and don't get any more descriptive than that. And Snoop adds, If it's family or any of my close friends, no need for any kind of explanation. They know what time it is. As far as strangers, coworkers, and the like, to know. Depends on how I'm feeling at that particular moment. Answers could range from quote-unquote mind your own GD business to my personal fave quote-unquote I have stage 3 inoperable cancer and, and, I, and I have no insurance. That usually gets them to mind their own. And to each his nomads, if it's on a weekend that I get sick, I tell my friends that I've got a stomach bug that's been going around. If it's during the week, I tell my boss that I have a quote-unquote doctor's appointment, LOL, and spend the day either desperately searching for drugs or just laying on the couch gobbling down Xanax and smoking weed. All depends on what my financial situation is at the time. And Junkat adds, I also use the allergies excuse when my eyes are watering and my nose is leaking. Otherwise, those I live with definitely know as soon as I've run out of funds slash fun and just try to avoid me at all costs. My coworkers just think I'm chronically ill because I really have been for so long. And Synthetic Love adds, Food poisoning is a good two-day sick. Never admit to anything, ever. Thanks to the stigma that disgusting politicians have caused with their prohibition of medicine. But pure ethanol poison is for sale in every block where I live. And duck ads. I just dress nicer than those around me and point out their flaws and act condescendingly when they give me their bullshit excuse. Me, I feel fucking fly like a G6. Popping bottles and the ice like a blizzard. When we drink, we do it right, getting slizzard. Slip and scissorp. Like my ride, like my 3-6. That's why I feel so much better than you could ever pray to. And, quote-unquote, pure ethanol poison? Jesus. Get off your junkie high horse. Drug users and alcohol users are cut from the same cloth and need to stick together. Plus, I'm not sure you've ever gotten into the production history and art of distilling slash brewing slash winemaking, but it's a legitimately awesome body of work. And Clonezza whammed adds, I don't tell people anything. I locked myself in a room for three days, curled up in the fetal position with my phone switched off and a bottle of benzos within arm's reach. Usually stick my head out the window after three days to see if everything's safe out there in the world, then think better of it and go back to the fetal position for two days. And talking asshole ads. I tell people I'm junk sick. You'd be surprised how many times straight-ass people will give you some leftover perks or some kind of shit. Even got money for that before. And finally, and finally, Michael adds, What do I tell people when I'm sick? I tell them to put the money in the effing bag and don't look at my face. Or maybe in my dreams. I usually can't even summon the energy to lie and borrow when I'm truly down the river. I have to make provisions the night before, which I never can do because I'm stoned and think, fuck it, I can do it tomorrow. And moving from that thread, we'll move into a thread in the opiates slash opioid subform, subform heroin, in a thread started by Blue Devil 863 is fine, entitled, Anyone ever taken shrooms whilst high on H? And it goes like this. Roughly two bags of great ECP, which stands for East Coast Powder, along with 1.5 G of quote-unquote penis envy to start off with. Now, penis envy is a strain of psilocybe cubensis hallucinogenic mushrooms to continue. Should be an interesting night. There's another 26.5 grams of fungus left so I can get as crazy as desired. Have some clonopin just in case. Anyone done this? And Michael shares. I'd say have the mushrooms first, then the H. In fact, my friend's favorite combo ever is to take shrooms, then a small amount of benzos, i.e. for him it was 1.5 milligrams of lorazepam and 250 micrograms of triazolam at about one hour after dosing the shrooms. Then shoot the H while peaking. He'd never done either of them before, but he was a seasoned mushroom vet. He said he had a wonderful time, and judging by the look on his face, I wouldn't doubt it. And Nick adds, your friend's a better fiend than I. 
Can't stand shooting up whilst peaking. I'd rather just do the mushrooms and use the dope for the come down. I find dope turns the volume down on tripping too. And golden diamonds adds. Nope, no desire either. I'd much prefer coke with H instead together. Just thought I should add, if you freak the fuck out, uh, be careful with taking benzos to calm it down. H and shrooms and benzos kind of sound like a disaster to me. And seven replies, same here. Trying to find a vein, let alone sometimes even imagining it, is so grotesque while tripping. And Der Alte Krieger writes, I've shot H on several times while tripping on acid, and every time it brought the trip to a screeching halt. YMMV. Which, of course, stands for your mileage may vary. And Super Junkie adds, Yes, and Coke, and Rock, and K, 2-CI, I've even scored rock and dope while tripping. Brackets, hour plus drive each way. The cops rolled up on us, five people in a car that seats four. Every hit of rock made everything go nuts. Made everything go fucking nuts. I couldn't even see to drive, but I was the most coherent, so drive I did. Luckily, just when the cops get up to the window, worst possible part of town, out-of-state plates, he was pulling up. The dealer's brother went flying down the street on a four-wheeler. After we got the rock, I had to drop two people off, go back, and get a fronted bag slash I told my dealer I wanted some dope to come down from the trip and the rock, I got up to the window, she hands me a half gram, looked at us, and her sister started yelling in Spanish, then another bag gets tossed in the car as they screw off. Fuck, another cop. I decide I'm better off swallowing the bags, which was never necessary, I had two female passengers, than letting my gravy train dealer get popped. So just as he catches up with her, I crank it into second gear, leaving the parking brake on, and burn out like all hell. It worked. He, Asterix, tries to chase me. My friend and future GF are screaming at me, but I managed to lose the fucker. Crazy day. Why don't opiates kill my trip? And why do I do so well tripping in WD, which stands for withdrawal? Freak of nature from the start. And Irie One writes, Really good coke, and lots of it has completely killed my trip on multiple occasions on both L and shrooms. Opiates, not so much for. Edit. I do enjoy having some dope afterwards. Not so much during a trip. Like someone else said, finding slash hitting the vein while tripping, IDK, I just don't like it. So I'll do dope before to make sure I'm not sick. Then once it's over, I'll do some more. And Shelly adds, Tripping on acid while I was on oxycodone, W slash D, was fucking amazing. The only time I'd ever successfully tripped without it being a nightmare. All symptoms were gone, brackets, or at least outside of my senses. And best of all, it temporarily eradicated that gloomy fucking darkness that comes with any kick. Replaced it with shiny, colorful light and hilarity. Hell, maybe I should try it again. And Michael comes back to add again, I've had a bad experience with shrooms and benzos. I'd always heard to take Valium for a bad time. I'd done a huge trip with a friend, like a massive pot full made into a tea, and it was the first pick of the season, probably back when I was about 17. Somewhere along the lines, I thought I had ingested poisonous mushrooms, died, and was no in some purgatory-like state existing in my mind. I was making a fool of myself. Luckily, my mother was pretty tolerant of my usage at this time. I remember running and asking her if I was dead, then realizing since she was purely an image generated by me, I would lie to myself. I went and took 10 milligrams of Valium and waited for what felt like 10 minutes. In retrospect, since I was freaking out, time was probably going really slow, brackets as it does when tripping, and I probably only waited 3 minutes at the max. So I decided to just eat the rest of the bottle, about 100 milligrams worth, which was a huge dose for me at the time. I stopped freaking out, but couldn't stand up. Was falling over everywhere, into puddles and on driveways. I remember sitting at my friends for a while trying to relax, and I got up and tried to walk and just fell over and couldn't move. Haven't tripped since. And comatose shares. 
I have a ton of crazy tripping stories, but the only time I shot up while tripping was when I was on a spring break vacation in a log cabin in the mountains. We were drinking beers and snorting coke and decided that that day was the day to eat all the mushrooms and acid we had. Ate about three grams of mushies my buddy grew and had two hits of strong acid. I did way more than everyone else because I was young and thought I could handle it. We decided to start off the trip chilling in the hot tub, but after about an hour, I was tripping really hard. Decided the best idea was to get on the couch. Keep drinking beers and stare at the ceiling while I came up until I felt more coherent. Started getting serious visuals and the tripping music wasn't helping that. After a while, I was lying on the couch with my eyes closed because if I opened them, it was way too intense. I felt like I was in the Dolly clock painting, slowly melting off the face of the earth. My friends woke me and kind of set me back on balance, and I realized even though I had tripped a million times, this time it was too much. They offered me weed, but I said I needed to lay down. I went to my room where I had four rigs... Jeez... I went <laughs> spring break. I went into my room where I had four rigs filled with prefix shots of heroin and 10 0.5 milligrams of clonopin. I ate three clonopin and tried to IV the dope, but after the first try, I saw the blood. It looked so weird, I decided to IM it. IM means intramuscular, which means you shoot it into the muscle instead of the vein. At what seemed like two hours later, brackets probably 20 minutes, I started to feel a little more grounded and happy. I went downstairs and joined the group again. From there on, we took all the mattresses, blankets, pillows, and sheets and turned the staircase into a giant slide. After that, we did more coke and put all that stuff in a giant pile and jumped from the second balcony of the second story into a fluffy abyss. I would have to say that the clonopin and H saved my trip because without them, I would have spent the whole time on the couch with my eyes closed, scared to open them because everything was moving. After I took them, it was one of the greatest nights of my life. So I would say keep the H and benzos close, but don't overdo it, which can be hard when you're tripping really hard. The most important thing is to be safe. And although that thread continues, we'll stop reading there and move on to another thread. And finally, we'll read from a thread in the opiate slash opioid subforum, pharmaceutical subforum, in a thread started by The Morphine The Better, entitled, Today I Plugged for My First Time. Must read. And it goes like this. There's a first time for everything, I guess. Me and my homie were swapping farmies. I guess I was just doing him a favor by giving him some Roxy 15s and he gave me a few MSIR 30 milligrams. I thought about it for a while and am well aware that MS is pretty much worthless unless IV'd or plugged. He had a bunch of syringes around, which he uses for God knows what. Basically, I thought, why the fuck not and went for it. So I crushed it up and put it in a cup. Then I put 10 cc's of water in there, mixed it up all good, then sucked it up. I also lubed the syringe up with some lotion. Ha <laughs> ha. Apparently, you're supposed to lay down on your side and put one leg up in the air while you perform this rectal act of opiateness. So that's exactly what I did. I had a lot of strange thoughts running through my head, but mostly, quote unquote, what if my doctor saw me? Quote unquote, what if my mama saw me? And the most disturbing, quote unquote, I am putting a syringe full of morphine juice up my butt with my fucking leg up in the air and my pants down in some dude's bathroom. Anyways, I went for it. Went in totally smoothly. Ha ha ha. I jammed the fucker all the way up there. Just the plunger was left and I zapped my butt full of morphine juice. I swear to God, it was the best high I've ever had. There is a rush that is totally amazing. And I ain't talking about pulling the syringe out. Ha ha. I just sat on the floor with my legs still in the air for some reason for about two to three minutes because I was so zapped. Then, ironically enough, later that day, I put a laxative suppository up me bum also. Lots of traffic in those parts lately. I highly recommend plugging. Don't be a homophobe or too cool for school. How dedicated are you, my friends? And Golden Diamonds ads. And Golden Diamonds ads. OMG. I have tears of laughter running down my face.
Rectal active opiateness. And movie buff 927 adds, Oh boy, I hope the uh, quote-unquote traffic never mind. Seriously, don't get too into putting anything and everything up there. A lot of things just aren't good for your rectum, and it sounds to me like you've got a case of quote-unquote rectal fever. I'm not being funny either. You obviously experienced a lot of pleasure from the morphine being absorbed rectally. That's potentially a dangerous thing. Now you're like, quote-unquote, damn, what else would feel good up there? And this will lead to you rethinking all the drugs you've ever done and how they might potentially feel being shoved up your rectum. What I'm saying, yes, a lot of things absorb faster through your rectum. Some things could be dangerous. We don't know a lot of what those things are because shoving isn't a big enough practice that people are wanting to share their newfound pleasures. Be careful. I almost want to recommend shooting stuff instead of shoving it, but I'm not going to. Shooting it is a lot more dangerous than shoving. And, and the morphine the better replies. I feel you on that. And I don't think you're being a bum hater. Yes, I have heard that putting different drugs up your butt is the quote-unquote best way to do any substance. I think I will try it with some other opiates. But wouldn't you agree that morphine is worthless? I probably did the smartest thing with the plugging. Why exactly does it work so much better and hit you so much harder? Is it even better than shooting it? I used to think that you just stuck the pill up there. But obviously that doesn't work. And MovieBuff927 adds, in terms of bioavailability, morphine is pretty much wasted when you swallow pills. More than half of it, brackets close to 60%, is destroyed by first-pass metabolism through the liver and gut. By you dissolving the pill in water, morphine along with most opiates is very water-soluble. And administering the morphine-laced water rectally, the blood vessels in your rectum were able to absorb the drug faster and more efficiently than you would have been able to in your stomach. When you orally take a drug, you're waiting for it to get absorbed through the stomach and slash or the intestines. You bypass the stomach and went straight to the GI tract, thereby eliminating any morphine being destroyed by the liver. Nah, not a bum hater. Just because you shove doesn't mean you're gay. Just means you're more worried about getting a good high than you are about what people think. And you shouldn't really worry about what people think anyway. Edit. You did the smart thing. Shoving is a good medium if you want to stay away from the needle, but you want a decent high from your morphine. In terms of efficiency, IV is almost the most efficient way. But I'm not advocating that. Just letting you know. Shoving is not as efficient as shooting, but it is a lot more efficient than by mouth. And duck feet ads. That's where I draw the line. Putting my leg in the air. Not going to happen. Call me old-fashioned if you must, but Jesus, there's got to be a point where we hold on to some dignity, and this is it. My legs stay down. And the morphine the better asks the movie buff. But you were implying the rectal root can be dangerous. Explain, please. And thanks for the solid info. And movie buff 927 replies. Morphine, I'm confident, is pretty safe taken rectally. I was implying that other drugs may not be as safe. And putting things up there constantly irritates the lining of the rectum and it can start to bleed. And that is not good. For instance, say you start doing this more and more often and your rectum starts to get small tears in it or some other type of irritation. Then you get some coke, if you do coke, or heroin or some other quote-unquote street drug that's cut with something that's not pharmaceutical in composition, and you decide to shove those as well. You run the risk of getting a disease or poisoned. Not saying it's a big risk, but I just want to warn you that as with any other type of drug use, this type of administration is not without its proper dangers. No drug use is 100% safe, and I'm just trying to tell you that you still have risks even with this type of administration. That said, this is probably one of the safest ways of consuming morphine, and notice I said morphine, pharmaceutical morphine. I doubt you'll ever encounter street morphine, but as long as you're using pharmaceutical opiates and you're being careful of the dose and amount of water you're putting up your rectum, I'd say this is probably the second safest way of consuming morphine. 
Take it easy and be safe. And duck feet ads. No, of course you're right. It's just a picture of some badass with slash is legs in the air. You got to admit, it's just a tad humorous. But I was plugging tar for months, and it's probably why I still got my arms and some semblance of veins or two. Heat up tar, then plug. Worked for me, but my leg was kept down, in keeping with my advanced years and dignity. Winking emoticon. And the morphine the better ads. Ha ha! Ha 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 ha! So you are part of the club. Did you just do the old doggy style bent over? Ha ha, this is such a funny subject. All us junkies talking about pumping ourselves with the good stuff. I gotta admit, the idea of plugging the black stuff seems pretty fucking sketch, man. How did you like it compared to IV? Does anything compare? Any rush? Tell me. BTW, I just popped a 15MG Roxy and a 5MG Roxy, a 4MG Dilly, some extra strength Tamazepam, Restoril, how does it compare to Valium? And a 0.5 of Xanax, gonna be having fun fun. And Duckfeet replies, man, it was one of the best moves I made, and I just stumbled onto it. The tar was just destroying the rest of my veins, including both ankles, and I knew without a doubt I was going to get bad infections, at the least. But I was too strung out to quit, and couldn't get anything but this damn tar, so finally, on my own, I just figured I'd heat up the tar just like I would to fix, and the first couple of times I tried it, I just took a 1cc insulin rig and bust the needle off and suck the juice out of a cotton like I would to fix and just stuck it up there. Not expecting anything. I wouldn't say I got a rush, but about, oh, 10, 15 minutes, I started feeling noticeably better. Again, no rush, but a good feeling and none of the jerky horror I get with fixed tar. So I went to the needle exchange and got some 3cc rigs with removable points, and by this time I was doing a gram at a time. I'd cook it up and suck it through a cotton with a 3cc rig, then cover with Vaseline, bend over, and do the deal. Then go lay down. As first few seconds often worked a little like an enema, but if I lay down, it would pass. And then again, 10-20 minutes, I would start getting quote-unquote happy and no sickness. This went on for months with very rare IVs when I would spot a vein, but mostly plugging. Money and patience ran out. I mean, I was a very strung-out junkie. Was off opiophile, wasn't swimming, just fixing and laying around. I kind of hated it. So I bit the bullet, threw away all the rigs, went down to the clinic, and took 60 milligrams of methadone to get right. Leveled out at 100 milligrams, which is where I am now. So yeah, I'm a member in good standing of the quote-unquote the club and recommend it to anyone who's doing tar. As you don't waste as much as you think you do smoking it and fixing it, asterisks really is hell on the veins. But again, I'm one of the elite who plugs it standing up. None of this effete laying down with a leg in the air California liberal plugging for me. I'm quote-unquote old school. LOL. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads. What did you think? What do you think about these opiate issues? So what did we learn today? I think the most important thing that we've learned is that when anyone ever tells you that they have IBS, allergies, that they're sick, that they didn't get enough sleep, that you should immediately assume they're having heroin or opiate withdrawals. It's the safest assumption. So, you know, I find heroin use fascinating. I have never tried it. Don't intend to, because I'm a prude. <laughs> um, nope, just uh, huffing gasoline. That's my DOC, or drug of choice, as they say. Just uh, some good old-fashioned legal gasoline on a rag. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, this forum is very informative, and it's got a pretty decent community of uh, active and former uh, hardcore junkies and some chippies, some noobs, 
old timers in the drug war, veterans of the drug war, they say. It is interesting. Uh, there's a whole sub forum of other drugs people use um, that I could have read about, but uh, I just wanted to stick with the opiates for the most part. They got a whole research chemicals section and a weed section and a hallucinogen section, all that stuff. All that good stuff that everyone's dying to do. But yeah, so opiophile.org, very interesting place. And uh, if you are a serious uh, junkie, Perhaps you should look into getting a membership there. At least you'll be among friends. Um, as you may have noticed, the first part of this podcast was recorded at my office at work. You could hear people walking down the halls. It was very annoying, but uh, that's the price you pay to rock and roll. I am using my uh, Blue Yeti Pro microphone that I just got back from Blue Microphones, and um, I can't tell what's happening, why. I'm still having some issues. I don't think that they're the microphone's issues, but they may be. I don't know. Um, had to restart this session a couple of times. Could be that I'm using Audacity, which is a free audio recording program, but it's usually pretty solid. Anyway, not going to talk about that. So what else is new with you guys? Uh, moving on to podcast news. I've been sending a lot of magnets. Uh, the magnet supply is dwindling. I actually just sent out three international magnets, one to Scotland and two to Canada. And uh, one of those I have already received a photo back from, but the other two I have not received photos back from. So, and remember, please, if you get a chance to take a photo of your magnet in its new home, please do so. It's fun to share those kind of things with people. And make sure, if you want one, to let me know. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, another good thing about the, the Opiophile forum is that uh, if you have any questions about how to use your prescriptions in ways that are not meant to be used. It's a really great resource for that. Like, I had no idea. It never occurred to me that I might want to uh, scrape the gel off my fentanyl patches, which I don't have any of, and smoke them, and then use some 91% uh, alcohol to get the last 25% of the fentanyl out of the glue on the backing of the patch, because apparently some of it's stuck there, and then to smoke that. So people often say that, uh, you know, drug users are lazy and that they, uh, that they don't contribute anything. But, you know, that's not the case. Obviously, they are very ingenious at uh, getting the dope. So another myth crushed. <laughs> anyway, not going to really go on too much here at the end of this episode because I want to get it out and I don't want to just be editing my ramblings. Uh, maybe I'll start a podcast called Lose Ramblings, which will just be 45 minutes of me stammering about uh, things that have got me upset. Like, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people want to hear that. Just to say once again, if you haven't done it yet, please go to iTunes and rate Lou Reads in the iTunes store or at Stitcher or wherever you listen to Lou Reads. It's been about two weeks plus since anyone wrote a review and you know with that sort of gap I started getting a little sad and, and thinking no one loves me. Maybe it's because no one wants to follow my friend Finn's uh, essay that he wrote <laughs> which is a very long and absurd review but uh, still fun to read. But don't feel bad. You don't have to write an essay. Just write why you like the show. Uh, if you hate the show uh, you could write whatever you want. Just know that I will be sad. Which is what you want, right? Because you wrote a hateful review. Yeah, other than that, not a whole lot is going on. Still toying with the idea of stickers. I just am terrible at design and uh, don't want to uh, pay anything for design because I am a super broke. And if you follow the Facebook page, you'll notice that I've had all kinds of technical problems continuing to haunt me here. My five-year-old white 
Gen 1 Intel iMac is showing its age, and all my external drives keep crapping out while I'm recording, and a host of other maladies uh, are plaguing me these days. I've got, I've developed uh, secondary penis syndrome, also uh, phantom rectum syndrome. I'm trying to find forums where I can share these problems with my uh, fellow phantom rectum sufferers, but, you know, sometimes not even the internet can, can help you find people that you can connect with. Sigh. Anyway, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the madness at the opiophile.org forums. My name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet for you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.